You are listening to NFT Talk Show, where we put the T in NFT. I am your host, Tony Payne, and if you have ever wanted to know anything and everything, including all the juicy deets about NFTs, you are in the right place. So buckle up, get ready, and let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the NFT Talk Show. I am Tony Payne. Yay. All right. And today's episode, we will be continuing NFT Basics Revisited. And in today's own, we will be talking about marketplaces. Yes, where you actually purchase your NFTs, where you connect your wallet that we have talked about in previous episode to to purchase an NFT and own an NFT or trade an NFT. Um, so I'm going to assume you're listening as a creator and as a collector. So I will try to break down a few key differences of using the marketplace if you are a creator and if you are a collector, because um, some things will matter and some things won't. Like, for instance, if you are a creator, some marketplaces take a percentage of whatever you create. And I will also talk ETH marketplaces, Ethereum, Solana marketplaces, and Tezos marketplaces, because sometimes you will have the marketplaces that specifically trade NFTs on a certain blockchain. Like OpenSea, for instance, for the longest time, OpenSea, which is the biggest marketplace on Ethereum, has traded solely Ethereum or Polygon that is layer two Ethereum. But that is about to change and we'll talk about that as we continue this episode. So let us get into it by first talking the ETH marketplaces. On Ethereum, the most popular marketplaces are um, OpenSea, Rarible, Foundation, um, you have Nifty Gateway, and you also have Super Rare. There are some really key differences between these marketplaces, and I will break them down for you. On Solana, you have Exchange Art, you have Magic Eden, you have Solana Art, and I will also kind of break down the differences for you. On Tazos, you have Hick et Nunk. And you have object, and now you have variable. Rarible didn't used to be, um, didn't used to offer Tezos, but now they do. So you can trade Tez NFTs on Rarible, which is great because Rarible is a big marketplace too, and easier to navigate than Hiccupnuck, and the interface probably looks better too. Um, but yes. So let us start with the Ethereum marketplaces. What are their key differences? Why are they important? We're going to start with the most popular one, which is OpenSea. OpenSea is the most popular NFT marketplace as of now. And, oh, shoot, I forgot to add one more into Ethereum. Looks rare. They're pretty new as well, but they're neck and neck with um, OpenSea right now. So OpenSea is the most popular, obviously, because if you think NFTs or if you talk NFTs, they're probably one of the names that will come up in terms of marketplaces. And they're, you know, free for all. You can come in, create your art. They're not gatekept. 
Um, you can purchase art and a lot of the big collections you will find on OpenSea. A lot of artists trade their work on OpenSea. I have my work listed on OpenSea. Everyday Africa is on OpenSea. Um, even though it is on Rarible as well, but it was listed, minted on OpenSea. So what made OpenSea popular, in my opinion, was because they offered something called the lazy minting. A lazy minting, if you're a creator, pretty much it saves you gas. It's like you created this NFT, but it's when somebody purchases it that it's minted permanently on the blockchain. So before they purchase it, it's kind of just like, okay, yes, it's sitting here. It's almost official. But when they purchase it, then it becomes official. So you don't have to pay gas fees. You only pay one-time gas fee to kind of launch your collection with that wallet. If you connect a different wallet, you have to pay again. But as long as you're using the same wallet um, to create, you don't have to keep paying the gas fees if you're using lazy minting. Okay, I hope that's clear. So lazy minting is a feature that was... OpenSea's feature that allows you to pay one-time fee and upload as much art as you want as a creator. This does not apply to you if you're a collector. All right, this only applies to creators. Now, OpenSea has for creators um, a service fee, which is 2.5% of whatever it is you sell. So it's still the cheapest, in my opinion, of all the other ones. Um, and again, like I said, it's the most popular, but it also comes with a set of problems. Um, support is kind of bad, not too great. So if you do run into any issues, good luck <laughs> getting, um, support to, um, help you. And what else, um, with Rarible, so Rarible initially did not, now Rarible offers something similar to lazy minting where it doesn't you know, permanently put it on the blockchain until somebody collects it, like actually mints it when somebody collects it. And for the longest time, Rarible had it where you had to pay to mint, pay to list. And then when somebody purchases your NFT, they also pay the gas fees. We're talking ETH here, right? We're not talking Sol yet. We're not talking Tezos yet. So we're talking Ethereum marketplaces. Now, I think because of that, a lot of people gravitated towards OpenSea because obviously it's a cheaper way to start. And later down the line, I think a year later plus, Rarible now offers the option to um, do the lazy minting where, you know, you can create, but it doesn't solidify it until somebody collects it. Is lazy minting good? If you're a new artist and you don't have a lot of funds to start out with, then sure. But if you're an established artist in the space already, you should be looking at doing your own smart contracts. And we're going to talk smart smart contracts, not in this episode, but I will cover smart contracts. It is so important that I cover smart contracts, but I wanted to do smart contracts with somebody that offers the service so they can break it down properly. Um, I can explain it, but I think coming from somebody that's like a dev or somebody that's like, you know, deep into it, that's all they do would be so much better um, for you to hear. But yes, schedules mash. <laughs> so like I was saying, so there's OpenSea, there's Rarible. I think Rarible also collects 2.5%. So it's an issue of which one do I want to do? Now, the 
crypto that OpenSea lets you trade with is ETH, but they are, the rumor has it, or well, it's been confirmed, but we don't know when, that they will have the ability to trade NFTs on Solana. When or if that happens, that is going to be good news for a lot of people because Solana does not have the Ethereum gas fee. Solana is faster and it's just easier for people that want to jump into NFTs and don't want to deal with ETH gas fees. Um, and it's easier because then they will still be in the big marketplace. Um, but yeah, so next you have foundation. Now foundation is another good one. Foundation is more like semi-gated. I wouldn't want to call it gated. Semi-gated only because you have to be invited by somebody, a creator on foundation. I just, just a creator on foundation, a creator on foundation that has sold an NFT. And then because they have sold an NFT, they get invites to give to whoever they want as a reward for selling. But here is the gag with foundation. There's no lazy minting. So you do have to pay to mint, pay to list, and their style is an auction style. So with OpenSea and Rarible, you have the choice to have an auction style. You also have the choice to choose to use a buy now where just put a price on it, let somebody purchase it, boom, go. But with foundation, um, they have an auction style. Word on the streets, though, is that they're going to have something close to a buy now coming. That's word on the streets, um, you know, until I see it. <laughs> e 2.0 has been coming for six years so until I see it. All right. So you have foundation, which is not gatekept, but kind of is because you need an invitation to hop on with foundation. You pay to mint, you pay to the list. And then when your auction is one, you pay to settle. So <gasps> with the fees, <gasps> with the fees. All right. And then, whoo, Lordy foundation has their own fee, which is 15%. In my humble opinion, I think that is just a lot. I have some of my art on foundation, but realistically, you cannot list your art for like 0.11 or something and make any significant amount of, you know, money back. Like you're probably just almost better off just making prints on Amazon or so I don't know, you know, because when you start calculating the fees paid to gas fee to list gas fee to mint gas fee to settle then they're 15%. That's a lot of money already just out of pocket. But it does have its advantages. It has its own set of collectors that, you know, prefer to collect on foundation and foundation uses the 721 ERC 721 token, um, which is different from the 1155. What is the key difference really? Um, on the surface, 721 is supposed to be more secure. It's what you would call a true non-fungible token. Whereas the 1155 allows you to do additions. So it's not really, it's fungible, right? But yeah, so some, there are some collectors um, that do prefer to collect art that is 721 um, because it just, it's just better and it's more secure. Um, so as a creator, you want to keep that in mind. If you're just starting out, you know, getting your feet wet, 
then it doesn't matter. Um, do your thing. But if you are established, you might start moving towards a 721 contract. OpenSea does have that too, where you can actually have your own smart contract and then import your own smart contract onto OpenSea, which is actually fabulous. Um, yes. So those are the two key differences would be the fees and the, oh, the fees. And then you have Nifty Gateway. Nifty Gateway was one of the first few most popular NFT marketplaces where all the celebrities hopped on. And they're also one of the few that I know um, that you can actually use your credit card to purchase NFTs. I've seen it. If they still do that, I am not 100% sure. D-Y-O-R. <laughs> I D-Y-O-R'd for you. But I'm like, anything changes. Like, I could be talking right now and something's changed. So always make sure you verify that if they do. Now, Nifty Gateway is also gate-kept. Get it? Nifty Gateway. Gate-kept. Yeah, they're also gate-kept where... Um, think you have to either apply or something you don't you don't just hop on like you would open see then you have um your super rare super rare the name of course get it super rare super gatekeep like literally um <laughs> they're super gatekeep so if you get on super rare i think a lot of people try to get on super rare because it you know it's like oh i'm great um, but yeah, they're super gatekeepers. Not anybody can get on there. Um, they literally hand select people to be on their site. They make you make this, you know, video that can be very embarrassing. <laughs> like talk about yourself. Oh, well, I take pictures and I'm awkward and, um, I make art. What do you want me to say? But yeah, so that is, um, it. For the Ethereum marketplaces, and of course, you have your wallet, so you can connect your wallet to any of the Ethereum marketplaces, right? Now, let's move on to Solana. On Solana, if you are doing or purchasing one-on-one art, and when I say one-on-one art, I mean your photography, your 3D art, your paintings, those type of art, not like projects where they have like 10,000 pieces, you will be looking at somewhere like Holoplex or Exchange Art. For photography, I think a lot of photographers gravitate towards Exchange Art, which is exchange.art. I have my work on exchange.art. Um, Divine Skies is on exchange.art. So for projects, you have um, Salon Art and you have Magic Eden. So those are geared more towards projects like your 10K projects and things like that. What are the key differences between Exchange and Magic Eden? Honestly speaking, that is for me because you don't have to deal with so many fees on Solana. That is the key difference for me personally. I've bought NFTs on both. I've sold NFTs on both in terms of like ease, the, just in terms of like the ease of use. Um, I think they're the same, you know, exchange, you kind of have to get a feel for how to make a collection and how to work your way around. But, um, yeah, so moving on and it's the same thing. You connect your soul flare or your phantom wallet to your Solana marketplace. Then the next one we have is Tezos. So Tezos has Rarible now and 
object and Hikitnung. So Hikitnung is like where all the, you see a lot of fine art there. So they do have their own communities. Um, I've sold my work on Tezos um, before as well. Um, and I had used Hikitnung and um, object. So the cool thing with Hikitnung and object is when you mint on Hikitnung, you can see your mint on objects. So it's pretty, it's very decentralized, um, Tezos. But the only thing I will say in the negative about Tezos is because it can be a bit slow from my own experience. It can be a bit slow. And, um, if I were to choose between Solana and Tezos, I probably now from experience using both. I would choose Solana for sure. And the value of Tez is way, way, way lower. So pricing your work kind of becomes a little bit more complicated using Tez. But it's also such a great blockchain. You still can't go wrong. Um, if it's the, it depends on your, the kind of art you're looking for. It depends on the kind of art you trade. Um, if you're doing more fine art and you feel like, okay, I want to do additions. Yeah. Tezos and Hikatnug has so many additions. Like, that's their thing, additions. Like they love additions for some reason. If you're somebody that wants to do additions, then you probably would fit in great over there. I don't think Exchange on Solana does offer additions yet. I'm sure they probably will in the future. But um, they're for really actually one-on-one art. Like this is one piece of something and it's an NFT. And this is the only piece that exists as an NFT. Um, not, you know, there are multiple editions of this, um, as an NFT. Okay. So run it back, Tony, run it back. We're going to run it back again. Ethereum, you have OpenSea, Wearable, Nifty Gateway, Foundation, SuperRare. Okay. Solana, you have Exchange, you have Magic Eden, you have Holopux, you have Solan Art. If you're doing one-on-one art, you want exchange and holoplex. If you're doing 10K projects, 6K projects, you want Magic Eden or Solan art. Okay. On Tezos, I don't really see any um, 10K projects on Tezos. Tezos is more fine art, one-on-one art. So on Tezos, you have variable, you have object, and you have Hikitnug. So because I don't see too many 10K projects on Tezos, you can use, you know, whichever one. But again, if you're looking for a a popular one with a good interface that uses Tez, then Rarible, maybe. Um, But if you're looking for one that's been there for Tezos from day one, then Hikatnag or Object, you know, that's their focus. That's their thing. They don't offer any other blockchain. So it just depends on you. Just um, D-Y-O are okay and with OpenSea um foundation um super rare you will need to connect your metamask or your coinbase wallet not coinbase coinbase wallet with solana's um exchange magic eden solana art holoplex you will need to connect your phantom wallet or your soulflare wallet for your Tezos, which is object, um, what's it called? I said it just now, didn't I? <laughs> which is object, um, 
wearable now and hikunung you would need to connect your kukai or temple so you see how like different marketplaces if they focus on one blockchain the wallet's different the wallet's different the wallet's different but i want to see how interesting this is going to get when OpenSea starts to do well, I probably wouldn't get that interesting because literally you would just need to connect your phantom wallet or your, they better have Soulflare. I'll be so upset because I use Soulflare. <laughs> um, where you just connect the wallet that you're using to OpenSea and it should bring up, you know, your account. I think it just creates, oh, here's another thing. Rareable. And it's going to be the same with OpenSea. So keep this in mind. Treat each wallet as its own account. So let's say you want to have your username, right? XYZ is your username. Once you choose XYZ on OpenSea for ETH, if you connect your Solana wallet, you can't use XYZ because it can only be one username per wallet. That happened with Rarible. When Rarible started doing Tezos, literally, if you already had an account with Rarible trading ETH, you have to connect a separate wallet. So you can't use the same account where you're trading your ETH NFTs to do your Tezos NFTs on the same website, if that makes any sense. So each blockchain is treated, even if it's on the same marketplace, each blockchain is treated with like its own thing, its own entity. So you have to literally create a new prof a user profile for Solana. Let's assume... OpenSea finally has Solana, right? But since they don't, let's just use Rarible as an example. So you have to use a whole different profile or no profile name for your Tezos wallet and a whole new profile for your ETH wallet. So it's not like you can kind of connect both of them and oh, magically. But there are some sites that lets you view your NFTs in one place, um, like lazy.com does it. Um, I don't know, for some reason, my lazy.com account has not been working. I'll connect to it. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it connects, but you don't see anything. But yeah, so lazy lets you connect ETH and Sol Solana, but it doesn't have a feature for Tezos. But you know, just use Solana. If you're going to choose between Tezos and Solana, I would use Solana. Not financial advice again, but um, yeah, just, you know. You're doing your own research because you're listening to this. All right. So that is it for the marketplaces. Hopefully I did not miss anything in terms of fees for Solana and um, Tezos. They're pretty low. I think the highest fees come from like the super rare and the foundation and the nifty gateways of Ethereum and also the highest gas fees. The gas fees on ETH, you can literally use it to purchase an NFT on Tez. <laughs> I am not kidding you. For real, you can. And um, the gas fees on Solana, you pay like like literally $2, $3. Whereas sometimes in Ethereum, you could pay $100 for a transaction, depending on how high gas is at that time. Yeah, I think I, be, I covered everything. I think I, I you know... If there are any questions, just, you know, ask me, send me a message, jump in the champagne or discord and feel free to ask questions. If you do jump in the champagne or discord, we do have a section now for NFT talk show chat. So you can go in there, throw in your questions, ask whatever you want. 
and I will bring it back on the show and I will read it out and I will answer your question for you. Okay. All right. And don't forget to subscribe. I see that some people just did that recently and well, reviewed recently. I get subscriptions all the time. And thank you for subscribing. It is so important that you subscribe so you don't miss anything. But it is also important that you leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the episode because it helps me know that, you know, you enjoy the episode. Okay. But yeah, so that is it. That is going to be it for this episode. I will catch you on the blockchain. Don't forget to jump on our Twitter, NFT Talk Show Twitter to give us a follow. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And if anybody in your life is like, what is NFTs? What are these weird NFTs people keep talking about? And you do not know how to explain it to them. Send them the podcast. Send them the podcast. Me and my drunk dinos, we're going to be putting something together where we teach people NFTs. I'm working on that right now, but I need to focus on getting Legends Live Forever um, out there first, and then we can do that. But yes, I am here for you to help you you know, navigate this NFT world and also bring you some tea. When I'm done with like the NFT updates revisited... <laughs> I want to bring you so much tea. I keep like, oh, this happened or this happened, but I don't want to like break, you know, these episodes into pieces. So the hot, juicy just can wait. All right. I got to go now. Catch you on the blockchain. Bye. (laughs)